Welcome into another All 22 Daily. It is March 14th. We're in day two of the legal tampering period, and it was another day of just massive news all day long. Uh, Ray, kick us off. What were you uh, most excited to see today? What news is sticking out to you? I was most excited to see the news that hasn't yet happened that apparently is something's going to happen at 1 p.m. Eastern uh, on Wednesday the 15th. So I guess uh, we'll wait and see what that's all about. But um, one signing that did stick out, right, not as you know noteworthy of a name, but I think is very impactful, uh, was the signing of David Long, linebacker, now for, uh, to Miami. So I think this was a very underrated pickup and for not a lot of money, right? Uh, if you look at his performance, uh, especially in 2022, he was the 13th uh, highest graded linebacker in the league and actually the fourth highest, fourth highest run defending linebacker in 2022. And uh, that run defense performance is a bit more, uh, I guess, steady uh, year to year as a linebacker than some of the other grades like coverage, for example, just given how you know volatile pass coverage can be and how offenses attack linebackers in this league. But if you're a sound run defender, that points to a lot of consistency. And he he did play with Jeffrey Simmons in front of him, right, at his previous destination. But now he's you know got Christian Wilkins in front of him and is surrounded by a ton of talent uh, on that Miami defense pretty much everywhere else. So he's in a better situation for him if you're an All-22 manager looking at David Long. And then just as a player overall, right, I think it's a great landing spot for him. It's hard to find solid linebackers in the league. Dolphins got a good one, so you have to be happy uh, you know, given how scarce that position really is in the NFL. Miami is just going for it. They're just going for it. But I, I'm not going to, you know, go over what you said, right? So we're all just pawns in Aaron Rodgers' world, in his psychedelic world. But in all honesty, I'm really excited for tomorrow because what I really think is that he wants to take time to thank Packers fans for, you know, all that they've done for him, the opportunity that that organization gave him. And I really think that that's what it is think he wants to have that opportunity. He doesn't want it just to be, hey, you just read the news and he's a jet. Because I think that's kind of disrespectful to the legacy that he's leaving behind in Wisconsin. So you know what? I think that's what's going to happen tomorrow. And maybe I'm alone in that, but I think it's going to be a good thing. And uh, I'm excited to tune in and watch, and I will be tuning in to watch. Um, but number one on my list, I want to talk about Darren Waller. So tight end goes from the Las Vegas Raiders to the New York Giants. I think it's a massive deal. Uh, for the Giants and really is going to help them out. Their team that was lacking basically any receiving help. Um, and you you bring in Darren Waller, a tight end that in 2019 and 2020 had an 86.8 and then a 90.9 receiving grade as per PFF. Um, he goes to the Giants and he fills a massive hole. Um, uh, Bellinger, the tight end they had, the young tight end, 22 years old, really showed a lot of promise last year. I think this is a guy that's going to be able to come in and uh, help him along as well. Um, but it's also really low risk for the Giants, right? It's uh, one, year's of, one year of guarantee, uh, $11.9 million. After that, they could walk away, but it's really a four-year, $52 million deal that he has left, which also is really not that bad if he's able to go back to that form and be a, a really high performer. Um, the last two years, I think, is a reflection more of what Vegas was, right? He had a 72.4 receiving grade, 74.5. Um, I, I expect him to rebound and get a lot of opportunity in this new uh, New York Giants offense. Yeah, they're 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 finally able to put pieces around Daniel Jones that they haven't been able to the last couple of years because they've just been saddled by so many bad contracts. So 
I'm looking at this and sort of going back to maybe Saquon's rookie year, right? And look at the weapons that they had on offense uh, out wide. You know, they Saquon and Odell had played together, right? Uh, they had Evan Ingram when he was catching the ball, uh, proved to be somewhat of a of a downfield threat as a as a receiving tight end. And so they're sort of going. They obviously don't have an Odell Beckham caliber receiver right now, but uh, as far as that, you know, receiving threat at tight end, uh, trying to build the pieces and weapons around Daniel Jones again to mimic some of the success that was had maybe four years ago or so, very early on before they kind of really got bitten by some of the bad contracts that they gave out under Dave Gettleman. So interested to see how much that offense regresses here in 2023. Yeah, agreed. I'm, I'm excited to see how those pieces come together. And I'm sure Bobby's excited too. <laughs> Who do you have next on your list? You said it, it's Aaron Rodgers world and everybody's just living in it. So we heard about the news uh, about Alan Lazard. And first it was the reports that came out that, you know, Rogers wants to play with him in New York and New York was interested. And then next thing you know, Alan Lazard agrees to a deal with the, the New York Jets, right? And at, at first it's a bit peculiar of a move. If you look at it, you see the Jets have Garrett Wilson. Uh, you know, they have a young player like Elijah Moore. Uh, you didn't really see someone like Lazard maybe fitting into those plans, but uh, Lazard is a big body, right? 6'5", 227 pounds, uh, graded as the 28th best receiver uh, last year. So not terrible at all. It's actually perfectly fine. Uh, but he didn't step up and assert himself as a true number one receiver uh, when he had that opportunity after Devontae Adams left. So we know that's not what he is, but that's not what he has to be. He can be the clear second fiddle to Garrett Wilson. Uh, and then we'll see what happens with Elijah Moore. Is he going to stay in New York or is he part of some sort of deal to get Aaron Rodgers over to the Jets? There was some, you know, back and forth and some, uh, I guess, uh, disgruntledness by, by Elijah Moore this past season and with his role on the offense. So uh, I guess we'll see if, if he does stay in New York and provides him with a dynamic weapon coming out of the slot or if, if he's part of some sort of deal to ultimately get Rodgers to New York where he now has a familiar face in Alan Lazard. Yeah, I thought it was a really interesting move, right? And I tweeted out earlier that I don't know if it says more about what teams think of Lazard or, you know, versus, versus a guy like Jacoby Myers, or if it's just the pull that Aaron Rodgers has right now in this deal, right? That the leverage that he's able to bring to the table, getting that massive deal um, was pretty spectacular for him. I think he's only had like 2000 receiving yards in his career so far. I think this is year four or five. So you're talking about a 500 to 600 a year uh, yards a year receiver. Um, getting a deal like that, right? $44 million in a year where we are seeing some big deals, but it's not like we're seeing people spend kind of erratically, right? So the Jets went and did that for Lazard. It's pretty interesting uh, that that happened. Um, I am interested to see what it means for the Jets and what it means for Lazard's all 22 uh, value because they still do have Corey Davis. They haven't released him yet. So if they do keep Corey Davis, is Lazard your three, right? I guess, and it all goes back to what the rapport is like with Rodgers, but that'll be interesting to follow. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what to think of that move. There was also that report, I think, that came out today. Might have been late yesterday. They all kind of run together when everybody's just legally tampering with each other. Uh, but that report that uh, Rodgers wants to play with Randall Cobb at his next destination. And it's almost like, I almost wonder if Aaron Rodgers is kind of like the reverse meme of like, oh, we have DeAndre Hopkins at home, right? And like DeAndre Hopkins at home is 
DeAndre Tompkins. Like, I wonder if Rodgers is the reverse of that meme where like he wants to play with the guys that he knows, but it's like, hey, we have Garrett Wilson over here in New York. We have Elijah Moore over here in New York. Like, you don't need to play with your old toys. Like, we got we got the newer, shinier toys over here that move faster and, and can make bigger plays. So, uh, yeah, that that's just interesting to me. Um, I get the comfort, but maybe he just, you know, doesn't really know what he doesn't have until he finally has it. So that's true. And I mean, rumor is that he also asked for OBJ. So, you know, maybe he is looking for a shiny toy if OBJ with, without any Achilles tendons or uh, ACLs, whatever it was, <laughs> still is a shiny toy. Yeah. A lot of shine might, might be off of that one. Cool. My second guy. Well, actually what you said, right. You're like, it's all kind of blending together. When I made my notes for this podcast, I had like Jawan Taylor and I was like, oh wait, he got signed yesterday. I had Bobby Okariki, Okarake, Okarake. And yep. that was yesterday too. It's like, it's really hard to keep track right now. But um, the next guy I want to talk about is Caleb McGarry uh, with the Atlanta Falcons. Really interesting that they were able to bring him back on such a low deal. He got a three-year, $34 million deal right after the Broncos signed McGlinchey for five years and $87.5 million, I believe, right? If you look at really what they've done as professionals, they're both 28 years old, um, and neither of them are star football players in the league right now, right? They're both good, hard-nosed, run-blocking football players, but neither of them are standouts. Uh, if you look at McGlinchey, he's had, he averages about a 70 PFF grade, right? So it looks like he's 69.8 last year, 71.5 this year, Caleb McGarry had an 86.6 this year, but that was really his run grade, run blocking grade, which was a 91.6. And that was an outlier. Every other year, he's in that mid uh, 60s, low 70s tier. So you're talking about a really like the same tier of offensive linemen. So I thought that was a really big steal for Atlanta. I think he gave them that hometown discount. Um, what's also interesting is Chris Lindstrom, like you talked about yesterday, right? He got a hundred and something million dollars, right? So you're telling me that McGarry is worth a third of what Lindstrom is. Um, pretty crazy and uh, really great for Atlanta, really great for that run game. And if Desmond Ritter turns into that more athletic style quarterback, I think it's going to be really great for him to be able to do some of that RPO game. Yeah, you know, with every day that passes by, and again, it could be a great smokescreen, but the scuttlebutt seems to be that they are going to go into this year with Desmond Ritter as their starting quarterback even though I see some of these moves and I'm like, great, now go get Lamar Jackson and then you're good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess it's just interesting to see how, how they're going to play this out over the long haul. Um, but it's two solid si signings along the offensive line, both guys that play next to each other, right? We're talking about their right guard and their right tackle. So you keep that continuity together also uh, in that offense. So, um, you know, it's just a great signing all around chemistry wise, on field wise, all that good stuff. I'm just interested to see where it ends up because I feel like they're they're hitting singles right now. They're hitting a lot of singles, but they need to hit a home run at the most important position. And I don't see a home run hitter in their quarterback room right now. So it's like you know, I'm glad you got Taylor Heineke as your backup, but you know, what are you what are you really doing to establish yourself as a contender, especially when your division is pretty open, right? The, the only established quarterback there right now seems to be Derek Carr in a new team. So I mm -hmm. think the going is there for them if they truly make a move to go for it. And 
while they're making some solid moves, I'm not sure if we're going to see them actually not even go all in because some of the options there are not one-year rentals. We're not talking about a 36-plus-year-old Aaron Rodgers here or anything like that. Um, I, I think there's an opportunity there for them to really assert themselves, and I'm just curious to see if they actually take that move. It's a bunch of stubborn teams being stubborn. It does seem like Atlanta is doing everything in their power to set this team up to go get Lamar Jackson, and that really does make the most sense for this team. So you want to see that happen. Um, but I don't know if it has to necessarily happen this offseason, right? I think what happens is if if you get to the start of the season and nobody has made Lamar an offer and he's staying with the Ravens then under that franchise tag, a team can then go and make a trade for him and not have to give those two first-round picks, right? So Atlanta might be sitting there right now saying, we have, I believe, the number eight pick. It's a top 10 pick. We don't want to give that in a deal for Lamar, we could wait until the season begins. Um, maybe Atlanta doesn't believe they're really a team that's going to win right now. And I think I've said that a few times. If they go get Lamar, I don't think Lamar makes them a Super Bowl contender because of the state of that defense. So you might see Atlanta want to stay at eight, draft a defensive star uh, to help booster that defense and get them to that next level, and then pick up Lamar either during the season at some point, which would be crazy if Lamar decides to hold out, but it could happen, or wait till next offseason where they could – really uh, have a whole season to negotiate with Baltimore and then make a deal at that time. I think the best part of their defense is that they play the rebuilding Panthers twice, the completely deconstructed Tampa Bay Buccaneers twice yeah. and the Saints twice. So uh, I, those are six winnable games right there with Lamar and an average defense, as far as I'm concerned. And once you're in the tournament, anything can happen. So, And it puts them in a position where they're not going to be a top two pick next year, right? The division is too winnable for them to get to be a two win team with this offense, right? So like they shouldn't be in a position to get Caleb Williams or Drake May. So it really looks like it's going to be Lamar Jackson. I don't really see another option for Atlanta right now. Let's keep beating that drum, see what happens. Cool. Well, besides that, I thought the Shaq Mason move to the Texans was pretty, pretty impressive by them. They're continuing to build that offensive line. Uh, there's rumors that they might trade away Laramie Tunzel, but I don't think that that's what they want to do. I think that's what he maybe wants to do. But that offensive line is looking really good and uh, really setting up that future quarterback that they're going to take at pick number two to be successful. I really like that for them. Yep. Slow burn. They're doing the right things. Just takes time. Let them, let them keep cooking in the oven and they'll be just fine in a couple of years. Cool. Well, another day of free agency, like we said, it's March 14th. It is 10, 15 at night, but uh, it was a great day and we look forward to talking to you guys again tomorrow.